Roddy Turnstone is a Harrisburg-based indie rock artist. His new single, I've Been to the Dungeon Before, is an epic, moody, but catchy piece of music that features guest vocals from Jessica Boyer and violin from Robin Chambers. Out now on all streaming platforms. Good morning, everybody. My name is Corey Rosen, and you are listening to the Story Podcast. Today, I have on a super awesome guest, Mr. Jeff Pittinger. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Jeff Pittinger is from Montoursville, PA. He started singing at an early age, but not in front of a large crowd until he was 14. Jeff started a band in 1981 called Early Frost. They did covers from Queen, Def Leppard, ACDC, Ozzy, Alice Cooper, and more. They played many shows in those two years, and now... Jeff is currently in the bands White Witch, the Benny Ford All-Stars, and Monster Track Supergroup, featuring <laughs> Brett Alexander from the Badleys and Jeremy Hummel from Breaking Benjamin. Monster Track Supergroup have released two albums and have one more on the way, while White Witch has already released five albums. <clears throat> Jeff also started a new original music TV show called the Pennsylvania Pipeline Music TV. The show is aired on WHVL in State College, PA, and all social media platforms. Jeff, how are you doing? I'm doing great today, and I really appreciate you for having me. Beautiful weather. Beautiful weather, yes, indeed. And thanks for coming on. I'm really excited to uh, delve into your story. We were talking a little bit before the show, and you got a lot to talk about. Absolutely. So let's get started. You started singing at an early age, but where did your music of love really come from? I was born with it. No, really, I, I, I was born with it. I... I didn't, I knew early on, I didn't really have any, I just knew what I, but when I, when I saw in 1975, when I saw Alice Cooper on the music awards Mm. on TV, I was sitting like back then you had those big floor consoles, the big old TVs. I always sat like two feet in front of it and I saw him come out. The crowd was expecting him to be the the freak show Alice that everybody knew and well, they didn't all love him, but some did. (laughs) so he came out and did only women bleed and they never the the people in the crowd a lot of them were crying they never saw it coming and i i was just so i i was like that's what i want to do right there i just knew it and i the the boxes little boxes of inside your head that gathers information the stuff that was not going to help me or that wasn't going to affect my life they all just closed Mm. So it was like a prearranged, destinedly planned thing for me. This is all I have. I don't, I don't, I don't really have anything else. I don't even have a dog right now. <laughs> Hoping that changes in July, but um, all I have is this dream and my parents. So you you got that inspiration and you did. So you decided to do something with it. What did you do? You started singing at, uh, started singing not in front of large crowds, but. Most of the singing that I did at the time was by myself mm. when I was, um, things were different back in the sixties, <laughs> you know, the world was a lot different. You didn't have, uh, I mean, we, we had a, where I lived, our phone or our, the phones that we had, there were five different parties on one line. It would ring once for one house, two for the next house, three for the next house. And people could listen into your conversations. My, I had a, I had a, uh, I had a great aunt named Marguerite, and we would how we would catch her listening in. Sometimes, she would always bake cookies and bread, and the buzzer would go off on the oven, <laughs> and we would hear like Marguerite hang up the phone. That's funny. Yeah, that's how life was then. And I, I mean, even into the seventies, we had a yellow phone on the wall. I remember hearing Queen "Keep Yourself Alive" for the first time, and every every bell in my body was going off. I'm like, wow. Going. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what it was. Every bell in my system. I ran to the wall, the yellow phone on the wall, and started calling all my friends saying, oh, my gosh, you should see and hear this band called Queen. They're coming from England. I mean, look at these goosebumps. You can't make this stuff up. I, I can't imagine what it would, what it would have been like to live through, like, the British invasion. Oh, it was, uh, it was unbelievable. It was absolutely one of the greatest times in and musical history to live and see all these bands come from. And the interesting thing about Alice Cooper was while all these bands were invading England, he invaded England <laughs> and his dad was a minister in the air force and bought him this gigantic, uh, D one thirty airplane, one of those great big ones. And they painted giant letters on it, Alice Cooper. And the day the 
the first day they landed in England, they had like 13 little midgets too. And everybody in the band wore trench coats and had hair down to their butt. And uh, at that time, Paul McCartney and Wings in 73 owned all the attendance records throughout Europe. And there was one particular venue that everybody wanted to get in. So the first night Alice Cooper band played there with no advertising whatsoever, they broke Paul McCartney's record, which at the time was like 18,000. They broke it by a thousand people. That's how much power the original Alice Cooper band had. That's incredible. That is incredible. Um, wow. So you started, uh, you, you were singing by yourself, and then you decided, hey, maybe I want to do this in front of a crowd. When was that? I was 14. It was at a fire hall at a wedding. <laughs> but it went over really well, and I was like, man, I really like the way that felt. I mean, it stuck with me for days. At night, I, I mean, I was so railed and amped up from it. I was like, man, I got to keep at this. And I, you know, I was just a kid. I didn't have any money. And we were poor. people back then were poor. You know, it wasn't mm -hmm. like you could go out and buy a new PA system and start singing when you're 14. You got to, it just wasn't like that. Got to work for that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it's taken years to get to, to, to do it right. So you uh, had that wedding experience. And then did you say, okay, I want to be in a band right now? Yeah, I, I knew I knew I wanted to be a singer. And I, I didn't you know, I don't have any ways or means or things to, to do that. And, and a lot of people around you that I would say, they thought it was just completely outlandish. I mean, you know, back then nobody said stuff like that. Right. <laughs> they just, you know, they just didn't say stuff like that because, because nobody did it. It was, it isn't like today where you can go to a music store and buy everything. If your parents have money and can buy you stuff and you can start doing this, but you know what? I'm grateful that I was born at a time where I got to see. I, I tell this to people, and I'm going to tell this right now. To all the people that are down and, and think things are really bad and so forth, <clears throat> just think about this. The people that are my age or, or close to it were born into a time where you got to see every great band from the time they stepped onto the stage, watching their stardom to the rise till the day they die. We've seen it all. And it's not just music. It's, it's NASCAR. It's boxing. It's baseball, football, basketball. I got to see every great game that was ever played, dude. You and I, you know what? I got to see it for free. I got a free ticket to see and experience every great thing that's ever happened on this planet. So, so you guys definitely lived during the golden age of, of American influence. For Absolutely. Sure. I, and I'm so blessed to be born. I was born July 23rd. 1961. So I seen it all. <laughs> hey, you got to see Star Wars and Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> not counting. That's right. Not counting all the great movies. Yeah. All the great westerns. All the I got. I seen it all, dude. From the time it happened. And so, um, when did you decide to start a band? When did you get involved with that kind of thing? Um, well, you know, I got things together, and it was between. It was between 81 or real early in 82 that I started the Betty, or not the Betty, um, early frost, early frost. And, you know, I went out, I, I managed cause I, I didn't really like school. I did when I was young. I, my first, second grade, I never missed a day. But when I got to like seventh, I knew that this was not going to be school. It's not going to be any part of my future. I did go to college at WAC for broadcasting. And I had, to, I had the best prime time slot on Thursday night because the students went home on Friday. Mm. So I had the 9 to the, the 8 to 11 slot on Thursday night. And uh, I, I debuted albums from, from like Def Leppard, High and Dry, George Thorogood, bands that were just releasing stuff. And I got to debut. I can't even count how many albums I debuted. But um, it, it didn't get me off. It mm. didn't get me off enough. I mean, I love music, but that just wasn't getting to that spot, you know, where you this just ain't enough for me. Right. Then I started a band and I knew right away I'm like, oh man, this this feels really, really good. And all those all those are going off. <laughs> you know, so you, you just know. It's not something where, you know, you gotta go debate or whatever. You just for me, I just knew. And the first time I went on stage, I didn't have any butterflies at all. After I sang that first Queen song. 
it's electric. I was into it. And, yeah. and I knew that it was, I was going, I'm going to die doing this. So what was it like to start a band in 81? How old were you at the time? Um, let's see. I can tell you exactly. I would be like. In your 20s around. Er, very early. Yeah. Very early. Like 21 or 22. So what was it like back then? What was the music scene? I, uh, you didn't, uh, did you, you grew up in Montoursville. Correct. What was the music scene around in central PA at that time? I can't imagine it was much. There wasn't really anything. You know, there were a few people I knew that there was a band in Montoursville called Little Rock that were some guys that were two years older than me at Montoursville. Um, but that, you know, that was, that was what it, it was, what it was then. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, man, there really wasn't too much going on in, in 1982. It just wasn't. But that changed quickly, you know, when, when I start, we started White Witch in 80, the fall of 84. So tell me about that process. What was it like to uh, dissolve one band, start another band? Well, my drummer and bass player that came into the band, they were in a really good band called Warlock. And Doug was in a band called Merlin. And I was in Early Frost. And it was like a super group. I'm telling you. And White White Witch. Yeah. That makes sense. When we came out, I mean, I, I bought, I had the biggest PA systems. We had the biggest light shows. I mean, you would get pounded. or <laughs> Your ears would ring for days. And we would have like bats hanging from the ceiling and, and blow fire. We were into the kiss, the, all the theatrical stuff. Our Halloween shows were epic. And, uh, you know, the one night, the Hooters in the outfield, this was as later in white, which would have been like 80, I don't know, 86, something like that. They played a show in Williamsport at the Lycoming College. And we had an after party at a, a club called Dinks. It was the best. It was, in, that's just the Mentorsville there bar. And uh, we had an after party there and it was nine rows deep at the bar. I mean, it was, it was way out of control for fire code. They, they, if there was a fire in there, everybody would have burned. <laughs> there, was, there was just one. There were so many people there. And and the singer for the outfield was, we were upstairs. I'm I'm gonna say this now because it was life back then. We were upstairs in the in the dressing room doing lines of coke that were the size of large pencils. Okay. And then we would go downstairs to go on stage. And I look over and the singer for the outfield was hitting on my girlfriend. And she had a real nice crucifix for an earring. And he was trying to talk her into her giving that to her. And I just was catching. And she said, well, I would, but my boyfriend would probably not like that. And then she said, Jeff, this is a singer for the outfield. And he looked at me and he's like, hey, mate. And uh, just then they announced us to go on stage. So I'm heading up there. And when we came on, I seen that dude's eyes. And I know he's probably saw a little bit over in England, but he ain't never seen nothing like White Witch. His eyeballs were the size of grapefruits. And he was just like, because it was a spectacle of, you know, for, for an unknown band mm-hmm. in a state of Pennsylvania at that time, um, worldwide, we were completely unknown. <laughs> and um, it was something like that that stuck into my mind. Those kind of stories are, you know, you know who the outfield is. Say it isn't so. And yeah, Joseph's on a vacation far away. Right. I, I have a thing right now, but that's that band. And uh, so <clears throat> time went on and we, we started recording, putting out records. We, we opened for Steppenwolf in 85. It was <laughs> unbelievable. I got hung. I was in a witch outfit, an 88-year-old seamstress from Minnesota that made clothes for for bands like Motley Crue and, and Ozzy, I managed to get a hold of her. Anyway, I got hung on stage and the crowd flipped out. That's crazy. And at the, at the time when we were done playing, the crowd chanted for 10 minutes straight, 7,000 people, white witch, white witch, white witch. I've had that happen in my brain and sleep a thousand times since that day. And those are the kinds of things that keep an old dog like me going. For sure. I can hear, still hear it in my sleep sometimes. That's incredible, man. 
It's it's those moments that really make all this worth it, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's what gets you from their stepping stones. Mm-hmm. It gets you from part A to part B and part C. And and without those dreams and those those moments, I mean, life's pretty vile, man. Yeah. It just it's it's stagnant if you don't have something to believe in. And so. So for that band, were you a songwriter primarily? You were a singer on that in the band, but were you, were you songwriting? How was the process like for uh, writing music? Um, I was a singer and a writer. We all wrote. Everybody, well, we we collectively wrote our songs. I mean, Doug would write some of the music. I'd write the words. George would write, or Jack Death, as his stage name was. I don't even know where he's at today, but. Uh, it was a, you know, every band has different ways of writing material. Mm-hmm. Maybe in one band, one guy will primarily write stuff. I mean, I'm not going to get into naming bands because that's their business. Right. But all I know is how we did it. And uh, we would do things collectively. And uh, sometimes we have to change stuff up and all. But uh, it was a, it was one of the most beautiful things that I've ever I've been fortunate enough to live through in my life. And we have one of your songs, Change Is Coming, That's, from, from that era. Yeah. Tell me about that song. Well, the words pretty much, you know, <laughs> pretty much tell the tale. And uh, um, on that particular song, Doug wrote the music. And he wrote half of the words. And I wrote the other half. Sometimes he and I would collaborate on words. And or he would send me something like we still do today. Mm. He he physically mails me CDs in the mail. Really? With the, yeah, with the music, and he'll write some of the words down and say the rest is up to you. That's how we make music today. That's, That's awesome. how we've been making music for the last twenty five years. That's how we do it, man. We don't we don't you know everybody has a different way, but that's how we do it. We like I like getting stuff in the mail from him. It makes me feel good. Because if you want to meet him, you'd be like, wow, I got a, I got a CD from Doug today. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just, it, it just makes you feel good because he's, he's a great, great human being. You know, when I need money for the band or I need stuff, I have it in three or four days, mm-hmm. every time. He's never let me down once. Not once in my, in our entire friendship and band and bands. And Carl, my drummer's the same way. And I, I want to say, uh, throw a thing out to Carl a week ago he had a stroke and uh they had to lifelight him to Danville because he was completely gone I mean he was didn't wow. have no movement no speech no activity no, nothing and um they put some blood thinner in him because he had a big blood clot in his head and it broke it down enough so they to where they could keep him alive to send him to Danville and he he made it through it and he's home now and he starts speech therapy this week, and he can actually walk a little too. That's incredible. Yeah, and it it it's from I don't know how many hundreds of prayers I threw out, but I we we do have a lot of friends, and all the ones that knew about it. I mean, I only messaged like five people, five or six of my closest people that, and we didn't. We're not one of them bands that post stuff on Facebook and you know let all of our, we keep things internal. That's just how we've always done it. It's nobody's business, but now that he got through it, we're praying that he gets a full recovery. I mean, that's another thing. Carl was, as far as the drummer, he was never into partying. After those shows, me and Doug would team up and, you know, get a bunch of you know what and go after the girls. That's what we, that's all we did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's because it's what we wanted to do. And uh, Carl wasn't that. He always went home. And uh, God's loving me work damn near 40 years at Kellogg's taking care of his three sons by himself. And then he retired a year ago and then this happened. So, you know, all these young bands out there that think you got it figured out, the older you get and the harder you push your dream, there's going to be things that happen. And a lot of them are, are just, you know, big time adversity. Mm-hmm. Um, when you start losing friends and 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 things just start coming unraveled, it's just life, and it's going to happen to everybody. Everybody is going to go through some kind of thing, and don't look at 
your dream as, oh, I failed at this, or oh, woe is me, I'm going to, I don't want to fail at this. You have to look at it as a loving life thing and consider it a blessing that you're even playing and making music. Mm -hmm. It's not whether you're going to fail or not, dude. In this world we're in now, very few bands are going to be successful. Yeah. At, at, at being huge. Right. And to have the, have this thing where, oh, I don't want to fail or it, it's not, that's not how you should look at it. No, and you should be able to define your own success. You don't exactly don't compare yourselves to people who don't compare yourself to Justin Bieber or like big bands like that. I mean, they first of all, they were kind of born into that life as it was anyway. Yeah. And you have to say, okay, what is what is the goal for um for band A that I have? If a one goal that I want to do is play five shows uh a month, that's success. Yeah, you do that. That's a success. Yeah. That's okay. And you know, you shouldn't be so caught up in, you know, we're gonna do this or we're gonna do that. And we got we got a couple hundred views on Spotify or YouTube. That's all great and all. But don't lose sight of what you're doing it for. Exactly. You gotta love it. It's inside of you. That's why you do it. You're not looking to not about be, the numbers. Yeah, it's 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 really not. And uh it took me a while because I'm guilty of that too. When I was younger, you know, I'm like, Oh, I'm going to do this. And as time goes by, you're like, you know what? That's I, I was, I wasn't looking at it the way I should have been. And, and I see bands do it now and, and, and it's, it's a growing process mm -hmm. and it's a learning process. Mm -hmm. And as time goes by, you know, you start losing a parent here or a close friend or, and, and life starts, your, your dreams change a little bit, you know? And it, did you ever think Bob Dylan or Muddy Waters or Prince was thinking, oh, I want this to be the next hit? No, they were just writing songs. It's the same with, with Van Halen. Yeah. I, I, I listened to a, there used to be a radio show called the King Biscuit Flower Hour. It was a huge national publication on, on national radio. And I, I used to sit in my car because I had a, I had a $1,000 stereo in my cars. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I picked up the band Head East at the airport to take him to a concert at WAC that, that the broadcasting department was, was pushing. And I had the keyboard player and the drummer in my back seat of a 73 Chevy Impala painted beautiful acrylic. I mean, I spent a lot of money on the paint yeah. and I had, I had a, I had the, I had a Bose sound system in my car then. Wow. I mean, I spent, and you can only you had to really go hard to even find stuff and there were no internets back then mm -hmm. <laughs> you couldn't just look stuff up you had to, you had had to go to, somewhere you had to go and get in your car and drive to places so when they we started out i dropped that cassette track down since you've been gone and i was watching in my rear view mirror and when that came on they jumped like a foot in my back seat and they're like, I have never heard a car stereo sounded like that. <laughs> it was priceless. It was absolutely priceless. But those are the kind of stories that keep you going for me, you know, just little, little tidbits. Well, we're going to play Change is Coming. So this is White Witches, Change is Coming. Have a listen.
that was Changes Coming by White Witch. I just wanted to say before we get back into our conversation that um, if you are a musician that has, has new music coming out, new albums, new whatever, you can actually advertise that on the Story Podcast, and we'll put out a little blurb and slides during those songs so that everybody can see. Back to our conversation. We were having a conversation uh, during the song about uh, failure and success. You want to go on about that? Yes. I, I want to say this because my my goal is not to offend anybody, especially the younger bands. That, but I want to say this because this is a fact of life. Failure is a prerequisite for success. Mm-hmm. You are going to learn more from your failures than you ever will from your successes. And you have to fail before you can succeed. Absolutely. There's no way around that. And you can say, oh, he's this or he's that. But I'm a lot older than most of you. (laughs) And I have seen it and lived it. Believe me, I have. And I'm just telling you that don't get so upset when you fail. You should should nurture that and say, you know what? I learned from this. It's going to make you bigger, better, and stronger. So don't get caught up if you have a something fails here or there. Just just move it aside or go over it and it'll make you better. I promise. Yeah. And, and, and that even goes for, that goes for a wide range of things too. Cause I'll, I'll even say, well, if you focus on what you messed up, you're not going to get better. Like it's the same, same idea during a song. If you mess up during the song, you better not focus on that. Cause you're going to mess up the entire rest of the song. That's, that's a fact. And the same thing goes for bigger stuff. Like I had a senior recital here and I thought I knew what I was doing. I, but obviously I, I didn't. And I forgot to have a proper rehearsal where people knew when they were going on. So there was a a situation where things didn't go as smoothly as they could have. And yeah, I was embarrassed. Yeah, it hurt. But you know what? I'm not going to do it again. Exactly. They're the kind of, they're the kind of things that you learn from, from the first time. And you, some lessons in life, I mean, every person's different on how they handle things. Some people they'll make the same mistake over and over and over and over and over and over. Some lessons, it, ouch, man, that hurt. It only takes one time. You're like, I'll never do that again. Absolutely. And and that's that's called being human. It's it's a process you have to go through to get stronger, smarter, and better. It's just a fact of life. And so, moving on uh, into the story of of your career, after uh, White Witches, you start up another band called the Monster Track Supergroup. Tell me about that. Why'd you start it? What's going on? A lot of my friends were telling me that I should do, they're like, you know, White Witches is a very cool band, but we would like you to record some songs from the 60s and 70s that are more intimate and softer. Because mm. White Witches is a hard rock band. Not, not, that, not that real heavy stuff, but it's a hard rock band. Right. And the name kind of people, oh, they get reservations until they hear the music. And they're like, oh, that, 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 that's not bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because my guitar player, I, I'm, I'm just going to say, you know, he's world class. You're Brett Alexander, right? Well, in that band he is. But yeah. I mean, for White Witch, don't oh, blame him. I see, yeah. I mean, he's, he, he's, he's a pretty, pretty top of the top shelf. And uh, same with Brett. I mean, Brett can play like six, seven instruments. He's one of those, he's, he, this is what's great about having Brett as a friend. You know, when you have somebody that's, they call him four or five for ones. He's a producer. He's a director. He can play any instrument. Uh, he can sing back, you know, there, there's so many things that he can do. It's like, you, well, he's one of my five for one friends or four for one. The dudes that are multifaceted, that can, that can multitask or, or uh, do multiple things, execute yeah. multiple things. And as, at a very high level. That's what Brad is. He's, he's one of the most intelligent human beings that I've ever, and I'm blessed to, and getting back to your, your question, people were asking me to do this stuff. So I gave Brad a call naturally. And, and he said, Jeff, I'd love to do that. And he said, I have just the right drummer in mind. And I said, who would that be? And he said, Jeremy Hummel. And I, I was like, you can get him. And he's like, well, for a project like this, I can. And it came together just like that. And Jeremy Hummel, for those who don't know, is as the original drummer of Breaking Benjamin. Correct. Oh, he's 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 one of those people that when when I when we first met in the studio, you know, he's he was different looking than than me, and you know, uh, you know, 
I don't want to say this and offend anybody, but he was so cool looking. I mean, he had tat different, really interesting tattoos from when he was in Breaking Benjamin and a little bit of hardware, you know, here and there. And um, I thought, wow, this is going to be interesting. And as it <laughs> turned out, the dude, I think, you know, he's, he's probably 16. I don't know. He's, he's quite a bit younger than me. But the dude's playing abilities, you'd swear to God, he was 60 years old. The dude could play anything. And I mean, it's, we did, we did Cher Indian Reservation from Paul Revere and the Raiders. Cherokee people, that's on. And there's parts in there that you have to sound like you, you're an Indian playing on a hollow log mm. or a tan-skinned tubular drum. I mean, he does all that and switches right into the other stuff. I mean, that's, that song's got all kinds of stuff going on in it. And uh, I couldn't believe how, how skill his skill level was so high. It's songs that were 40 years older than him. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was, I'm like, wow, this is unbelievable. So that was more of a cover band. Yeah, yeah, but we, we have a couple originals. In fact, one of them is on, uh, one of them I think you're going to play later. I'm not sure to uh, yeah. take my advice. Yeah, that's and a song I wrote. That's actually very fitting for uh, the conversation we had leading out of the last song, for sure. T yeah. tell, tell me about Take My Advice. Well, um, it's kind of another one of them stories of my life. And uh, pretty much everything in there is just a life experience. Hmm. And, uh, you know, Brett had a really, really nice Hammond B3 organ in there. And I'm like, as soon as I saw that, I'm like, we're using that on every song I can get it in. And I, I had him set up mics, like five different mics, because those Leslie cabinets, they have a revolving speaker in them. And you have to have mics right in the sound holes. But I also did, I stole a page out of Jimmy Page's recording book. We put another microphone three feet away and another microphone six feet away and another microphone nine feet away and moved it up. So there's certain things that you can't fake. I mean, you can simulate all kinds of things with, with processor, with, with the gear that there is available today. Mm -hmm. We didn't use that. We did the old fashioned thing and uh, there's stuff in there that the, the real smart people that listen to it and break it down. Like, they can tell you right away that was mic'd from multiple distances. You know, the, the real, they not the it. average person doesn't know that. Right. But the people that do know it are like, wow, that Jeff, that was a brilliant move. And I'm like, well, it just did some, just told, stole a page out of Jimmy Page's recording. I mean, it's right there. Anybody could have did it. Well, with that said, this is Take My Advice from the Monster Track Supergroup. Take my advice, folks, say to me You're wasting the best years of life Settle down, have a family With two cars, two kids, a wife But I know what I want, I know what I need I know that I'm going alone The simple Advice. I think of the world and all. 
Take my advice, folks, say to me, you're wasting the best years of life. Settle down, have a family, with two cars, two kids, a wife. But I know what I want, I know what I need, I know that I'm going alone. The simple life ain't meant for me, so I'm gonna make it alone. Say goodbye, but I'll be back for you, baby. by the Monster Track Supergroup. Now, we're kind of uh, rounding out our time, but there was another topic I wanted to get to before before we head off. You decided to start up a TV show. Yeah, eight years ago, actually. This is our eighth season. Who would have ever thought that? Uh, out of a garage in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> so, tell me why. Because I can. That, that's a fair enough point. And, you know, <clears throat> the way my life is now, um i'm not able to travel on long distances or be out for long periods of time because i have four parents that i have to help if they need me that are in their late 80s i have a mother and a stepdad and a father and a stepmother and my game has changed you know i have responsibilities that i that are more important than my music and the only thing in the world that's more important than my dream is my parents. Mm. That's it. Nobody else, nothing, no, no outside things, absolutely zero. And now my game has changed. So I had to figure out something that I could do at home. That's only 150 feet from the house. I mean, because we've had things just go wrong. It, mm -hmm. it, it, like Steve Ice would say, it's just the way it is. Things are going to go wrong. It is, yeah. And I want to be there in case it does. Right. Because I love I love them dearly. And uh, so I started this thing up. What's really neat is when I was little, I'm going to say this real quick. When I was little, we had a TV tower right across the from where the studio is on the other hill. It's still there. The tower's still there. The wooden shed is kind of deteriorated, as you can imagine, from being back in the 70s. But we had... We had a telephone cable, your telephone. We had TV lines that went down to like four or five houses. And back then, the, the, the cable, the TV cable was just bare copper. There was no coating on the outside of it. And every time it would snow, a tree branch landed on it or your TV's gone. Mm -hmm. So I remember mm -hmm. trudging up through there as a little kid with my great uncle fixing the, the, the TV so we would have TV. Then in 1981, my dad bought a 12-foot satellite dish it was the second one in lycoming county he bought it from the guy that sold him and for the first six months i was seeing things that nothing was gov nothing was censored you could see you could see the parliamentary procedures in israel you could see all kinds of stuff i mean wow. it was unlimited and there was no it was a free-for-all you could see and, until the government stepped in and like when tv was good right <laughs> well that's when it this is before mtv that came right in then mm -hmm. mtv came in but I mean, I was seeing, I saw a band called Honeymoon Suite. They have a song called New Girl Now. I got a new girl now. It's a, they're, they're a real cool band. They're, they're, anyway, they, I saw them from the Las Vegas cable channel. And I'm like, wow, these guys are really good. Six months later, they were on MTV. I mean, I, there were so wow. many I can't even name. And uh, like Dexy Midnight Runners. 
come on, Eileen. Oh, I swear. I mm-hmm. saw that video before it was on TV. I'm like, wow, these guys are wild because they're wearing bib overhauls. And you knew what the song was pretty filthy. The lyrics are pretty, pretty. <laughs> right, they, right. Once you figure it all out. And uh, I was like, and once they hit MTV, they exploded. I mean, that band exploded worldwide. Everybody was, they were licking that stuff up worldwide on a global level. And so fast forward all the way to here, you decided to do it yourself. Yeah, you know, I was like, I, my, my TV's been in my family's blood since I was real little. And it just seemed like something that, that I'd be good at or know a little bit about. And I'm, I was already got 35 years in the music business. I mean, I'm connected like a, like a lightning rod to, mm-hmm. to bands and musicians. So I thought, you know, if I can get them to come out here, they're going to, they're, it's not like being in town. There's nothing out there except trees and bear and deer and, and coyotes and woodpeckers and stuff like that. There's, there's nothing else there to molest your musical creative day. And it's working. People like coming. I've had bands say, you know what? I'd come out here. I'd, I'd be willing to pay $250 just to come out here and sit for the afternoon with my kids because we have people bring their kids some people bring their mom some people bring their their girlfriends and their dog we've had all different things out there and you know it's it's just a it's a different experience so what is the format of your show we um we usually have five songs on each episode i have sponsored commercials from like blaze alexander and Coors light and I have some pretty, pretty heavy, heavy duty sponsors. And uh, we, we put it all together with neat little things. And I try to keep it fresh and we send it out and it airs on WHVL and state college, which covers Johnstown, Altoona and state college. And they're pumped into all the facilities at Penn state. So it's a, it's a pretty cool thing. What is, uh, what are some of the greatest guests that you think you've had on so far? Wow. In eight years, as you can imagine, we've had a lots and lots of bands. Um, you know, because you do them quite often too. Like every yeah, every, every almost every weekend. But yeah. if, if it snows and it's really icy and stuff, I have to cancel because I cannot allow someone to slip and fall because it would just be a, a disastrous thing for me. So I'd rather like you know what I send them a picture in the morning. This is what it looks like. You're gonna have to come back up another day. Because I want them to see right exactly yeah. what it is for what it, BS in there. for real for real yeah. so they know, and because uh, I hate canceling. I'm like I told you that story about John Jett. I, 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 it just ain't in my blood to cancel stuff. But so I don't call it a cancel. I just reschedule. Reschedule. Yes. Yeah, it makes it the the sting less. Yes, you know. So, um, you know, I would have to say at the top, Brett Alexander. Mm. I mean mm-hmm. his 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 songs like drive back home about his grandmother was buried in the cemetery. And I mean, it's it's just so stirring the way he does things. I'm so proud to be his friend. Um, Right now there's a really hot band. I mean, they're younger. I've had them play at my, some benefits I've done. They've been on my show before. They're called the heartstrings and they're coming in this Saturday. Mm. I'm telling you what, they're all brothers, three of them, drummer, singer, guitar player they're all like they could all be models <laughs> it's, it's it's weird that they've got that much talent and they all look like they could be models i mean you could take any one of them and put them on the front of cover right i mean they're they're all very attractive looking kids and they're only in their early 20s but i'm telling you what it ain't the looks that got them there it's their talent they're really really good and they're only going to get better none of them are into dope none of them does dumb things they're just good. really yes. good. And I want to say this one thing. I did a benefit here a couple months ago, and they showed up. They were on the bill, and they came in, and uh, Jacob, the guitar player, he came up, and he goes, we did a show earlier today, and we took a collection for you for this benefit. Mm. And he pulls out this wad of cash out of his hand. I don't even know how much. He goes, I don't know how much is here, but you, it's for the, it's for you. I almost started crying. Nobody's ever done nothing like that. I it was for for kids that age to to have that capacity and that compassion. You don't see that today. No. It was incredible. And look, I got goosebumps again. Check those goosebumps <laughs> out. And and that is why I will continue to do everything I can 
to help that band get to the top. I mean, they, they can do it. I believe that in my heart. Well, man, this has been great. I've had a great time. I did too. And I, I'm very grateful for you having me here today. And uh, I, I, uh, I hope we can do it again. And you're invited to come up to my place and we can interview you. And, uh, you know, cause that's how it should work, you know, yeah. and uh, you have an open invitation, my friend. Man, I, I will gladly accept that. And yeah, I'll have you back on the show. There are a few last questions I'd like to ask a lot of my guests. Um, so, I mean, you've done a lot of things and you've had a lot of shows and you've done, um, you've had over 30 years worth of, of music. Way over. <laughs> and shows and stuff. Yep. What is one of the funniest or maybe worst things that ever happened to you guys on stage? Oh, boy. Um, well, I want to, I don't want to use the worst thing because I, I don't want to go there, but I know what you mean. But, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I, the worst things we, can be really funny. We had to, we had to, after 23 or 24 years, we had to let our bass player go mm. and it was hard, but you know, we had one particular night at a place called the log cabin in Muncie, huge The place was packed. And, um, you know, we've seen it coming for a long time, but this particular night was uh, was dreadful, and uh, it was just completely unmanageable. Um, turning the back to the crowd, smoking cigarettes during our songs. Wow! And at the end of the night, my guitar player just came up to me and said, "Either you fire him, or we're done." And I've been waiting. You know, I was waiting for. I knew it was coming, but I couldn't do it until I heard it from them. And we loved him. We, we, we bent our backs trying to keep him in line, but it just, unfortunately it came to a point where we couldn't work with him anymore. And that's, you know, when you, when you have a friend and you play with a band and he's a, he was a good writer for 23, 24 years. It's one of the hardest things you will ever have to do. If you want to continue your dream is to let one of those players go. Because that's, there's people playing in bands now that are, that are barely that age, 24. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And playing in a band with somebody that long. And uh, as far as some of the funniest things, um, um, there's just too many for me to, <laughs> to pick one. So I'm probably gonna, um, I'm probably gonna have to pass on that one. Uh, but I'll do it the next time. Yeah, I, next time, yeah. I just need to think it out because I don't want to. I'm one of them people that I hate hurting people. I hate offending people, and I'll go to great lengths to avoid it, even though I'm like, oh, I give it to them. But I, I'm better now that I'm older. When I was younger, dude, I I wasn't like that. I mean, something was wrong. I'm gonna blast mode you completely out of the pond. <laughs> into the next county right 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 and i as i've gotten older and i i've become much more understanding and caring and i i try to help everybody every band that comes in front of me i do the best that i can to help them and it's a it, it i don't make no money at it it's not about money oh yeah it's, it's about helping other people do what they love. smile when they're and i got every show i have i can show you pictures i can show you the video and stop it and see people laugh, smiling like, like they're having a musical orgasm. You know what I mean? And, I know, what you, I know, know exactly what you mean. And that is the kind of stuff that you can't fake. No. And that's what I get by having this TV show. And that's what makes me feel good. Because I know I'm bringing out the best in these people. Well, we'll end off with this. Oh, I have a, I'll get two more questions out of you. What is one of the most memorable lessons you've ever learned? Hmm. Boy, I tell you what, I'm I'm not afraid to say this. I have failed, crashed and burned, and done stupid stuff thousands of times. I have failed more than anyone, anyone out there listening or watching, I have failed and done dumb stuff more than anyone that I know alive. And even at the time, you know, I knew I shouldn't be doing this. Like I um, what I've learned, I would say, um, if you really love your family, 
and your friends and you're on dope or you're an alcoholic, you need to stop because you're hurting people around you. And I've been in more place, mental institutions, rehabs, and, you know, I've learned that I don't want to go back there. So I would say for the best thing I've learned is to love the life that you have, make the most of what you have, because one day you won't have it. One day it might be gone. It will be gone. One day you'll be gone. You'll be gone. So make the most of every day and try to try to do good. It's a great piece of advice. Thank you. Last question. What do you want to do next? What are some things you're working on? <clears throat> White Witch is going to be recording a couple new songs in May. I got Betty Ford going to be coming in. This, it's going to be a bunch of stuff coming in all on the same day. It's May 11th and May 12th. Because my guitar player is flying up from Florida because it's Mother's Day week. That's when we, when he comes up to see his parents, I try to schedule things that we can accomplish. Because even though we can't play a lot like we used to, we keep making new albums and videos and putting those out, which, you know, it's the game we have to play now. Mm -hmm. We have to play it that way. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I still get off on receiving a CD, a new song in the mail. Cause I'm like, I got a new, I got a new CD from Doug today, and 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 so I have Betty Ford, I have White Witch, and Monster Track, are all going to record one or two songs, and uh, we'll be putting out new music, and that's, I I really enjoy that. I love being in a studio with other musicians that I love, and you know sometimes it gets a little gamey in there with the guys, because you're. You know, it's a, it's an, uh, it is what it is. Right. But it's a process. I mean, Van Gogh and Thomas Paine, their clothes used to rot right off of their body. Would Their clothes would fall off. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not comparing us to them, but I'm just saying that people that are insanely or, or talented or, or are doing something that's... They're passionate. Yeah. Truly. They don't worry about that stuff. No, no, you're right. And that, I'm just giving you two examples. I can name 10 more. But those two particular people, in fact, Thomas Paine did more for our declaration than, than the people that are written on there. Mm. And when they would have events where they would need him to, to show up, like these royalty parties in the state of New York, he wouldn't ever take a bath. So they would hire these French maids, and he couldn't understand what they were saying, and they'd gang up on him quick and get him in a tub. That's always funny. <laughs> that, that's a true story. I mean... Uh, uh, it's it's just crazy that people that are really creative have accent have crazy traits in there, you know what I mean? And oh, it, I know what you it's mean. Just a, it's just a it's life. It is. It is. They didn't worry about political. You know, they just they just they just did did what they wanted to do. Exactly. Well, I'm really happy to have you on. Be sure to check out the Pennsylvania uh, Pipeline Music TV. The link will be in the description. They have a, a show. I mean, you have it recorded. Do you have a, a date when they usually debut? Well, we we try to drop one at least one a month. Mm. So I try to, you know, there, there's never a set time the last two months. Gotcha. The first landed on a Wednesday. We drop our stuff on Wednesdays. And I'm glad I picked that day because, and what's really neat is there's other people that are starting stuff, but they're all staying away from Wednesday. That's all I really care. They can. I hope they all do good. I hope they all do you know similar things. But just leave Wednesday go. <laughs> right, right, right. That's all I care. Because I wouldn't do it to anybody else. I would never. If I knew somebody had something kind of cool going, and it's the only thing they really had, I wouldn't be ignorant enough. Step on their to toes. step on their stuff and just yeah. say, you know what, I don't care. Because I'm not. I don't. I'm not like that. No, and neither should anybody. The no. The great thing about this area, I do believe, is that we're all willing to collaborate with each other and we all support each other. Yup, and you know, and it's it's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful it thing. It is. It's rare. There's I'm telling everybody out there, there's a lot of crazy, messed up things going on in the world, but there is still a lot of beautiful things going on. You just have to look for them. And turn off the TV. Yes. Yeah. So this has been the story podcast. My name is Corey Rosen. This 
Uh, you can find out more about the show and what I do at CoreyRosenProductions.com. That's C-O-R-Y-R-O-S-E-N Productions.com. There you can find out more about me and my pro- personal projects and this podcast. And you can find out all past 133 episodes that I've done so far. Great. And we got more on the way. This Friday, we have renowned children's music artist, Stephen Courtney. Uh, he has five songs on Sesame Street. If that says anything, that's, that's amazing. And he has the, we're going to continue his story about talking about his award-winning children's show, the Stephen Courtney Channel. So I'm really excited to talk about that and what it's like to write music for children. Because that's, that's not an easy thing to do. No, it is not. And then this Saturday, we have Adam Yarger. He is a country songwriter. He's, he's doing incredible stuff, collaborating with some incredible country stars of today. So I'm really excited to talk to him about all of that. And then this next Sunday, we have Big Mama. She is a music impersonator. Wow. So she will do cover songs of 60s, 70s, 80s, 50s, whatever, and will dress the era and will have the whole get up as cool. if you were back when. That's neat. Yeah. So I'm really excited to talk to her, find out where she gets her dresses and uh, figure out, you know, how do you, how do you put on an act that is over 50, 60, 70 years ago? Yeah. Yeah. That's a tough act to follow. I wouldn't want to have to come on after that. (laughs) Well, with all that said, I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of the day and we will see you guys later. Thank you very much, Corey. Of course. Bye.